Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 537 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses, and I'm your host. This week's writing tip comes from a question that actually came up in our Novel Writing Essentials course with the wonderful Bernadette Foley, and it's about how to format text messages and emails in your fiction manuscript, which is something that's coming up a lot more these days, right? Now, there's lots of different options, but as Bernadette says, the most important thing is to be consistent throughout your manuscript. That is, you know, like if a text message is written in italics on a line of its own in chapter one, then that's the way it should be written whenever a text message is used, if you use it in later chapters. For your manuscript, use a style that gives all the information you want your readers to have, maybe things like the date and the time and so on. Sometimes, particularly in YA, in young adult writing, you might use a particular font and a layout style, especially for text messages. Now, I couldn't find anything specifically about formatting text messages in the Australian government style manual, (laughs) but the Chicago Manual of Style says that you can either use a specific typography that you choose yourself, or you can simply use quote marks. Other authors have used italics or a speaker entry, like um, uh, let's say you have John colon and then the text message, right? The thing to keep in mind is to keep it as unfussy and unobtrusive as possible because you don't want your reader to be distracted by it, right? Uh, or, Or find it really jarring. So see what's already being used by other writers in your genre and then keep your approach simple and clean with plenty of white space. All right, that's this week's writing tip. Uh, Now, I wanted to give a big shout out to Alison Gurr. Thank you so much, Alison, for leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Alison said, fantastic writing podcast. One of my favorite writing podcasts. The host, Valerie, is very warm and engaging and fantastic at interviewing the raft of skilled authors she has on the show. I strongly recommend this to any aspiring authors out there. Oh, wow. Thanks so much, Alison. You've made my day. I really, really appreciate it. And of course, if you have 30 seconds to leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, I'd really be grateful because it certainly helps us with the rankings. I also want to give a big shout out to those of you who have enrolled in the upcoming course in freelance writing. Now, Lauren Sarah did the course last month and she said it exceeded her expectations. She also said, this is the course for anyone who wishes to be a freelance writer or refine their article writing skills. It takes the big wide world of the media and breaks it down into practical and easily digestible parts so that everyone has a clear understanding of what knowledge, skills, and actions are required to step into freelance writing. Now, I love this because freelance writing is something that a lot of fiction authors do as well because fiction takes a long time. It takes months, years, you know, sometimes multiple years in order to get to to write an entire novel and to get it published. So some fiction writers that I know supplement their income through freelance writing, which is 
a lot more instant gratification, so to speak, because you write a thousand words, it gets published, you get paid. So it's a great kind of combination of two different types of writing. The next course in freelance writing starts on the 8th of May. And if you want to find out more, go to writercenter.com.au slash freelance writing. Now let's move on to our competition this week. I have three copies of Death of a Bookseller by Alice Slater to give away. If you're after an addictive thriller starring a true crime obsessed main character with a pet snail, (laughs) then this week's giveaway is perfect for you. Former bookseller Alice Slater's debut novel, Death of a Bookseller, takes suspense to the next level and I have three copies to give away. Here's the blurb. Roach, bookseller, loner, and true crime obsessive, is not interested in making friends. She has all the company she needs in her serial killer books, murder podcasts, and her pet snail, Bleep. That is, until Laura joins the bookshop. Smelling of roses with her cute literary tote bags and beautiful poetry, she's everyone's new favourite bookseller. But beneath the shiny veneer, Roach senses a darkness within Laura, the same darkness Roach possesses. As Roach's curiosity blooms into morbid obsession, it becomes clear that she is prepared to infiltrate Laura's life at any cost. Okay, for your chance to win, go to writercenter.com.au slash win. Entries close on the 8th of May. That's writercenter.com.au slash win. And now... Are you ready for the word of the week? I hope so, because here it is. Deuteragonist. Deuteragonist. What is it? A deuteragonist is the actor or character who is second in importance in a play or a novel and so on, after the protagonist. So, Dr. Watson in the Sherlock Holmes series. And sometimes the deuteragonist may also be the antagonist, like, say, Darth Vader in Star Wars. There you go, deuteragonist. Try using that in a sentence this week. And that was the word of the week. If you're enjoying this podcast, you may also like the book that Alison Tate and I have written together called So You Want to Be a Writer, How to Get Started While You Still Have a Day Job. Full of practical tips, motivation and inspiration, it's ideal for anyone who's thinking of dipping their toes into the wonderful world of writing. We've created a blueprint for aspiring writers to follow and it's suitable regardless of whether you want to plunge straight into this new career or if you need to explore it while you're still busy in your day job. Let us hold your hand as you turn your dream into a reality. Buy your copy today at soyouwanttobeariter.com.au forward slash book. Now let's move on to our writer in residence this week. Today I'm talking to Andrew Daddo, who has been in the entertainment industry for decades. He's appeared on TV, stage, radio, podcasts, and even made movies. But also, Andrew is an accomplished author. He has written 28 books, including picture books, chapter books, short story collections, middle grade books, novels. His latest picture book is Grandma's Guide to Happiness, which will be followed soon by another picture book, Pooh Face. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, my pleasure, Valerie. 
Okay, I'm excited to talk to you about many things, but let's talk about your latest book. Your latest book is Grandma's Guide to Happiness. And I have to say, Andrew, you know, when you look at your the list of books that you've written, it's like an entire library. Um, so, but, so I'd like to actually unpack your author career, your, you know, strategies in your author career and your writing process. But first, let's <laughs> yeah. talk about how you came up with this idea. Grandma's was, Guide to Happiness. Yeah. So for Grandma's Guide, I was having a cup of tea with my parents. So my, and they're both in their eighties and we're reading A. a. Milne and looking at Winnie the Pooh and um, there was a picture of a, I think it might've been Winnie the Pooh in gumboots. And I think I said, oh, the gumboot, the book of the, the boot of the shoe of happiness or something like that. I went, oh, gee, that's a nice idea. And then mum showed me another story um, about uh, a Macintosh and, um, and I wish I could remember what it was called, uh, but it's quite a famous, but really old fashioned um, story. And I went, we, we've got to, we've got to remember the old fashioned, simple fun, like our grandparents' sense of fun and probably your sense of fun as a kid and my sense of fun as a kid before anyone would put a phone in your face and go watch the wiggles while we eat dinner. So Mm. we have to really, I think have to really hold tight to those ideas. Um, So that's where it came from. And my first thought was I'll sit, I'll write it with my mum, who's very good and very creative. uh, And I sent her a, you know, like a rough sort of version. And she goes, no, I wouldn't say that. I went, okay, well, that's not going to work, right? <laughs> because it's not it's not whether you would say it, it's just about a generic grandma. But that was the idea to, to sort of sit down with mum and do something. And in the end, it was just the ideas of my mother and also my childhood. So it is a gorgeous picture book and the illustrations um, oh, beautiful. are absolutely beautiful, yeah. but they're by Stephen Michael King. So how much input do you do you have in the illustrations or even like maybe not input just suggestions for some for a picture book of this nature so Stephen and i worked we worked on another book called watch a building so that's how we met which was again that sense of remembering the past um and hanging on to the old-fashioned milk bar and we had it it went really well to the final page because the the simple idea of that was that a kid picks up pieces of lumber from a milk bar that's been taken apart and he goes home and basically builds the milk bar in his own backyard a miniature version and Stephen built a chook shed and I said to him no mate it's it's got to be the milk bar he's because we've got to save the idea of the the corner shop and he went yeah righto so we we worked that out then we did Atticus Fantasticus together which worked really well we talked a lot and so grandma's guide and Stephen and I worked really closely so um if I had an idea, like he he was desperate to have a blanket fort, you know, like um, yes. that goes from outside to inside and things like that. And I was desperate to have sparklers. And um, and so we sort of, he'd go like, what do you think about that? And these are the colours I'm thinking sort of more autumnal than anything else. I mean, he's a genius, right? Mm. Like genuinely. Um, so it's not for me to tell him anything, but he's always open to my ideas and I'm always, always open to his. So this is a book number 28-ish, mm. right? So mm. that's insane. No, it's crazy. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. Take me back to when you wrote your first book. At that point, did you think this day would come where it's book number 28? Or did you think, no. hey, I'm going to just try writing a book? No. <laughs> no, it was, yeah, it was that. It was And I was guilted into it. Um, so Mark McLeod was a publisher with Hachette at the time and, and 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 I was on a TV show and he would come in and review books and I said to him, 
in a stupid thing of whimsy, I'd like to write a book, you know, because everyone likes to write a book, likes yeah. the idea of it. You go, oh, yeah, I could, you know. And he was doing kids' books. So he said, well, I'd actually like to see what you would write. And I said, oh, well, I'll do it then. And he goes, okay, you do it. <laughs> so I tried. It took me a long time and he would, it took me eight months. But what I'd try and then I'd forget about it and then he'd come back in again. And I was guilted by saying I would do something and never actually doing it. So then I wrote a thing called um, the, Big Green, the Big Green Smiling Wobbly, which is about a game of chasey between a monster and a kid who's gone to told to tidy up his room. It was a rhyming book. Um, you should be careful when you're cleaning something. I don't do a lot. But I did one day, one fateful day, and it came as quite a shock, and on it goes. And when I finally gave it to him, I sent him the manuscript of one page. <laughs> he um he got back to me quite quickly and said, uh, we had a cup of coffee, and he just said, look, it's just not, it's awful, you know, um, and was really brutal. <laughs> and then, but honest, and then he said, look, why don't you, he said, you know, you're a young man with a family and, you know, you've got lots of brothers. Why don't you write stories about boys in grade six because that's who we want to get reading. Um, so he said, write your family stories, so those sorts of things. So I wrote 12 stories about different things from prob largely biographical, I suppose, or with our family. Uh, and then he said, all right, let's make it one family, not a whole bunch of families. And then once I got that and then that book came out and actually did quite well, then I was, they said, do another one. Then I was hooked. And I finally got back to writing picture books, which is what I think I wanted to do with um, Goodnight Me. So... Wow. So, yeah. but but was that interest in children's writing for children always there? Like, had he been, for example, oh, an yeah. adult publisher of of crime thrillers, would you have written the next, you know, yeah, <laughs> uh, Jack Reacher? Yeah, no, <laughs> um, but I, I probably would have tried. I, prob I probably would have had a crack at at that. But I think, and and I th I think he would agree that this seemed to be the right voice at that time. Like it wasn't a great stretch to try and write for kids in grade six. You know, things like jumping bikes and being naughty and, you know, like, I don't know, stealing and smashing windows and the dumb stuff that kids do and think they get, it's the end of the world and it's really not. Um, so I, I think that's just where it landed. And then from there, it's, that's a good place to learn how to write, by the way is because, you know, you're writing about stuff that you loved and you understand. And then from there, I've been able to then go to Young Adult and the one adult book and I'm sort of working on an adult story at the moment, but it's taken me three years and I'm still not sure. So, Okay. So, as you said, you've got like, so you've done picture books, you've done chapter books, you've done middle grade, you've done Young Adult. You're now writing this adult book. Talking about the kids at this point, what do you need to do to, well, firstly, what makes you decide this one's going to be a picture book or this one's going to be a, you know, young adult book? How do you make that decision? Uh, well, it takes a really long time, Valerie, to be honest. Like it takes, so like I did a chapter, a young adult book called One Step about a kid who loses his way and he just misinterprets everything. To, to and that get takes him to the point of you know like really quite a devastating place, um, and that I think that took like five or six years to actually decide that's what I want to. I, a I can, a I can write it. B I've got the story and C there's a reason to write it. So um, and then 
so after that, they said, oh, that was good. Let's have, can we have another one for young adult? And then I had no idea. So I said to my daughter who was like 14 or 15, I said, oh, far out. I've got to write a book. What do you think? And she goes, oh, yeah, write something to make me cry. <laughs> so I went, oh, great idea, right? So I then had to think of a, some storyline. So it's sometimes they just morph that way. And the other, the other way, like, um, I don't know, Good Night Me or the the picture books are really around our kids. And so our youngest um, daughter, Jasper, she would say when she was two, I do it. She'd go, I, I do it. I do it. I, you know, me do it, my, and you know, all that. So it was why, oh, wow, it's a great idea for a story. So the kid who says, I do it. And then, and then Jazz Bibby, the middle one, she used to say, check on me at bedtime. So every night you'd say good night and then you tuck her in, you get to the door and she says, you know, Dad, don't forget to check on me. And so when we'd go to bed, I'd always, as you do anyway, check mm. in. And then one day I heard it and went, oh, my God, what a great idea for a story of stalling before going to bed, you know. Mm. Oh, I'll need a drink. Mm. go to the toilet. <laughs> I need to rub back, you know, all those things. <laughs> mm. Sometimes they arrive and sometimes um, and sometimes there's sort of necessity because it's a, you've been asked to do something or they've, you know, contractually you've got to actually deliver another book and then you've got to actually work it out. Coming back to the idea of I do it, you know, your daughter obviously got it from her dad because anyone of a certain age knows how diverse your career has been. I mean, if you're a certain age, you people will remember you as, of all things, an MTV VJ. You've yeah. been on television in almost every kind of genre of yeah. television show. Weird. and <laughs> And now you're writing across multiple age groups and you've already up to book 28. What, do you ever have imposter syndrome? I know, I always have imposter syndrome. I, I always have that. Every, nearly every time, not so much now on TV. So like for travel presenting and things like that, I, I, you know, I've been doing it for a long time. So I think I'm actually, I, I actually know what I'm doing. So I don't have imposter syndrome for that. I think writing, there's still an element of, you know, and it's and I, I don't. It's partly me, and I think it might be partly other people's perception of, well, you know, like you're a bloody television presenter. What makes you think you can write a book? And you know, there's that sort of. And I don't know if that's made up in my mind or if somehow you just sort of get that sort of vibe from, you know, you're a real writer. <laughs> you know, yeah. What do you do to get over the imposter syndrome, though? Oh no, nothing. I, 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 nothing. I, I know I work because I have to work, right? Mm. I work because I've got children and a mortgage and you know all those things. Like I've, I've, I've bills to pay, like everyone else. So um, it's not a matter of you sit around and you know work on MTV back in nineteen ninety one and never work again because <laughs> you made so much money. Eh, I don't think so. <laughs> you know what I mean? So mm. um, no, I, and and also like I love it. I mean, I, when when Grandma's Guide turn up in the post and uh, you know i saw it for the first time and because you see all the drawings and you question this and ask about that and it's the right font and you know all that stuff that we all go through and then when you finally get it into your hands and there's a real there's a genuine joy you know and i was mm. at the um airport and i've got the one copy and i'm sitting like this and there, there's a woman next to me and she's I, she's wearing this hat Right, <laughs> and she's she's sitting there having a cup of tea, and I just said to her. So first of all, I did that thing of, 
I held the book up like this and I took a photo over the book of the woman with the cover in front, right? And I felt like, wow, that's pretty creepy. So I said to her, hey, listen, excuse me, can I just show you something? And she's probably going, what do you want? I said, um, You're, you look like the woman on this book. And she looked at it, she goes, oh, my God, it is me, right? And then I told her about the photo and she said, look, let's try, take a proper photo. And so there's a real um, – and then she, I sent her a copy and she sent me back photos of her reading to her grandchildren oh. and her six-year-old grandchild wrote a poem, oh. right? So the whole thing, the whole point of actually doing something creative mm. came true on the first reading of someone who got the book. Mm. And I just went, this is – so that's why I do it. Yes. You know, if you write for kids about that, again, that thing of jumping a bike, the amount of times I've talked in schools and said, okay, who jumps their bike? And there's three hands and you go, who knows how to jump a bike? Four hands. Who knows what jumping, who doesn't know what jumping a bike is? Most of the hands. And you go, what has happened? Mm. And that's the point of this book. Yes. Yes. So let's talk about the creative process. You've mentioned that sometimes the ideas arrive, sometimes, you know, they require a bit more work. Once you're ready to start writing, and obviously it'd be different writing a picture book versus a young adult book versus what you're currently doing with an, with ad, with an adult um, book. T- talk me through the creative process of what then happens. Do you make yourself sit down for particular periods of time until stuff comes out or what happens? Uh, It's a good question. I don't plan. I don't plan the story. So I I generally start, I get an idea. You go, oh, my God, this is a note, right, from last night. So we're talking um, and uh, we're talking about someone that we know and that doesn't actually do things, right, that can't actually – they have great ideas, but they'll never do it because they, they live in the house of the perfectionist's curse, right? I love that. <laughs> yeah. So I said the house of the perfectionist's curse. I went, oh, my God, I should – that's a great title for a book. Oh, my God, that would – can you imagine having that? So mum sits there and then she writes down the house of the perfectionist's curse. So now that's the start. Yeah, so there's right. the start of the story. Uh-huh. And then I go, oh, who's the bloody – Who's the perfectionist? And then I start tooling around with the idea, but not in a series of notes and how it's going to work. That feels to me like it's someone who lives in a fantastic, rambling, falling down house that never gets fixed Mm -hmm. and all the things that never get done and, you know, like the goodwill and the, God, uh, you know, I, I, I could do, I would do it. Just what if I don't get it right? So that whole human frailty. Yes. So that's sort of how it works. To, does that make sense? Yes, yes. But do you 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 let it brew in your head for oh, a for, while? Uh, literally years. Wow. So you know, like as long as I've got a note somewhere to tell me what it is. Yes. Um, and then like the book Poo Face that you know Poo Face. <laughs> this is a really really simple idea to get kids to the potty, but no one wants a potty training book, but it's literally the different faces animals make when they do poo, right? <laughs> and it's and I know it sounds pretty base. It's not. It's funny, right? Oh, no, I'm so excited about this book you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> but like, so if you look at, and the, the way, it, and this literally took six years. I promise you it took six years to understand how it could work. 
A promise okay. that's oh maybe wow. not maybe five. Okay, so Pooh Face is a picture book that's um, out in May 2023, yeah. and I saw it and I went, oh, my God, this is so <laughs> awesome. I love this idea. So how did that come to – how did you ideate that? Okay, I watched the dog, right? So when our dog does poo, our old dog, <laughs> in fact, and then I thought about all dogs and I started watching dogs, weird. Um, <laughs> As they pooed. Well, because dogs go like this. They they dogs they sniff around for a spot, right? They and they, they don't just walk along and go, oh, oh crap here. They look around, right? And when they when they're doing they, they always look like is this okay? Because the first turd or one of the first turds of their life that they remember was a human being going, Get outside, get outside. <laughs> right? So now they're like and so there's an inherent fear in their in their poop, right? <laughs> That's the theory. So, what if, we, and we all see it. So, once you once you once you see that, then you go, oh, that's what that is. So, what if all animals, like, so a bird is a one eye closed, I'm aiming at you kind of face. You know, a panda poos forty times a day. So, this is the not poo face. You know, because you know things like an elephant is, you know, doesn't care. A giraffe is like, look out down below and things like that. But the point is that at the end of it, it is, and this is my poo face. So where Grandma's Guide to Happiness is about enjoying old-fashioned fun, poo face is about putting a kid who won't get out of a nappy on a potty and just spending three minutes read. You know when they're going to poo. You've got an idea. Three minutes reading the book to them first, have fun, make it friendly, like – you. It should be okay to talk about this stuff. Finally, the kid poos at the <laughs> at the end of the book, and you go. And this is my poo face. So they do whatever, and it's funny and joyful and whatever. Do you know I what love I mean? it. So I have to ask. So you just said a panda poos forty times a day, and obviously there's a whole lot of other animals in the book. Did you do a lot of poo research? Yeah, I did lots. <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> so it's, and it's actually, and there's a dung beetle. You remember the Jeff Hook? Do you remember the Jeff Hook books? No. So Jeff Hook was around when I was a, he was an illustrator when I was a kid and he had a hook hidden in the pages. Okay. So with this, I wanted to have either a dung beetle or a potty in all the pictures, sort of I hidden away it. for kids to find and like stuff like an that. Easter egg. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. And <laughs> which kind of looks like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. And then the other one was, um, uh, oh, I can't, I can't remember. What, what, what did you ask me? Um, whether you did a lot of research. Oh, on yeah, poo. yeah. So, like, that's sorry. And the, the wombat does square poo, <laughs> right? Who know? I don't know why they do. So they who knows? So, anyway, I did do a lot of research for it. This is probably my favorite conversation ever. <laughs> um, okay. In terms of the, um, I'm curious to know the adult book you're writing at the moment. Yeah. What genre is it? And what made you decide? I'm going to give this a go now. Can you say or not? Uh, yeah, I'm. The, it's a story. It's just a story. It's not like a thriller or a. It's sort of you know. It's a. Um, again, it's about human frailty. You, you know, because that's I think what I like and and not quite being not being good enough and then getting access to knowledge and then actually going. Hang on, I actually maybe I am good enough. But what if everyone around me still doesn't believe it? Or what if I've literally travelled down the wrong road and 
Um, and whilst I chase success or while the character chases success, um, he's really doing it entirely the wrong way and changing his world and possibly the world around him and then the greater world, which is the um, which is it's not about changing the world, but it's a sports based story, right? Mm-hmm. So, but it's that again, that thing of just wow, what if you just get it wrong? And what if, well, what if wrong is wrong? And what if wrong is actually right? So, it's all those questions on the way through. And I knew the very beginning of the story and I knew the middle of the story, but and, and the end, but I'm not sure about the bits in the middle, which is why it mm. takes me a long time to because you know, you go, I mean, I might never finish it. Who knows? I hope I finish yeah. it. I yeah. like it. It's kind of funny. It's funny in a bad way. So when you hand your manuscript in, whichever kind of book it is, to your publisher, and obviously, like any author, you get back edits. Presumably, they're never as brutal as that very first piece of feedback that you got back. (laughs) Uh, No, no. I I think sometimes they are. Really? Sometimes they're – well, I mean, the the first thing is the actual – the handing over of the manuscript is frightening. Yes. Still frightening because, you know, like, well, what if, and, oh, my God, please like me. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you can't, I, I don't know if anyone gets over that. I'm sure, you know, I I would guess that, um, you know, J.K. Rowling's when she handed in her first non-Harry Potter thing, went through mm. the same to a, you know, she wrote because she wanted to write, didn't need to, I'm guessing, but, mm. um. So there's that nervousness of handing it in, and then when things are when the ideas come back, either no, we don't, we just don't like it. We we no, no, not. For, and I've had a few of those. Really? So oh yeah, of course. Like I had a really good idea. I'm really surprised that they said no. In fact, I looked at it again the other day and went, well, maybe we should try that again somewhere else because if they don't like it, maybe someone else does. You know, and mm. back that was that sort of middle age, middle grade. Mm. idea of just this kid who's just, you know. Yeah, anyway, it's funny. Was that just a proposal that you handed in or was it an entire manuscript? So I basically write half the story. So that, you know, it's like I would have written 4,000 words of Mm -hmm. a six to 8,000 word um, thing because if you get the idea and you get on a roll, you send it. If you send a proposal, then they're going to say, we like the proposal, now go and write it. And then then they'll go, no, we don't like it. Mm. Or we do like it. I mean, but look, I've been really lucky. Mm. You know, there aren't too many that they've been um, and. And then when you go through the changes, like the book Just Breathe, you know, the sort of young adult romance, which I loved, and it was really hard, to, like, really hard mm-hmm. to write because I didn't know the ending. When I finally found the ending, I was sitting in this exact spot. I was meant to be down at the beach fishing or something with meant to meet people. I've got the ending. I quickly scribbled it out like this, so I knew that what happened went down. Stubbed my toe really badly. There was a surf contest on. <laughs> down the- I remember. I was so excited. Anyway, and when I sent it in, I was so happy because it worked. And they went, and it was a story of two two characters, chapter for chapter, almost different perceptions. And they went, no, rewrite the whole thing and make it just one story, not two two perspectives. Wow. It was like another six months' work. Yeah, yeah, And you yeah. go. <laughs> yes. What do you need to do? What Do you do? You have any things that you do or strategies where you, because you need to change hats when you're writing a picture book versus writing a young adult book 
or mm. even middle grade, right? You, you you really do need to change hats and change your perspective. Is there anything you do consciously do in order to do that? I don't I don't think so. Um, I think I think with the picture book you, you start really you start complicated and make it simpler and simpler and simpler. Mm. Like you know, like you might write three lines for something. You know, grandma loves writing her name with a sparkler. You know, and 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 does this, and she does twirls and whirls, and sometimes spins and sings and things. You might write something like that, and then when you look at it on the page, you go, "Wow, it's really just one line." And then she's done it a lot. She's like a thousand, you know. And mm. and I think that it works well for me. It works the opposite way. Writing longer stories and for older audiences you start really simple you know boy hits ball ball kills kid um kid you know and then you complicate it the more you write it so so picture books well that, i think that's the way i do it picture books is a in reverse and then the longer form whether it be for young adult or you know a chapter book or something it's a simple simple idea and then you complicate it and try and make it more interesting and a little bit funnier and a bit cleverer and nicer, better use of language if that if that's what's called for. I love that. That is I've never heard anyone say that before. Um, okay. So everyone, you need to get a copy of Grandma's Guide to Happiness, but also the next book, Who Face. Definitely yeah. getting that. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, see, look, and it, look, I showed a really well-renowned, deeply respected author who lives just down the road, and I said, oh, Belinda, look at this. And she smiled, and it was kind of a – it looked like a oh, a poo book. <laughs> right? And I, and I went, it's not – it's not. It's, it's not. I said, there's a spirit and a soul in this that's about helping parents. Like, in, I swear that is the point, right? The fact that it's – funny it's but look at this last picture and this is the look this is the two last well, I don't know if you can see the uh-huh. two last pictures but the final picture that Jonathan's done and which is, is what Stephen Michael King does in all of his things is just make a beautiful beautiful mm. image mm. you know mm. and just like just something gorgeous where you can look at it and go oh my god that's Either it's what I want, it's my kids, that's me. Oh, I love that feeling. And that's what Stephen does with Grandma's Guide to Happiness. Every page you go, oh, I want to live, I want to live in that. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Um, Since these are picture books, my final question to you then is what are your top three tips for aspiring writers who want to be writing picture books? Oh, um, be simple. Uh, probably try not to be too clever and write write the story. If it's for your own, you go, oh, my God, I tell my kids these stories all the time. So don't self-edit until it's finished. Like don't write the one page and then just stay on that page. That's that's that idea of the, um, the house of the perfect- perfectionist curse. I will paint that wall. Is this the colour? <laughs> <laughs> Is this the colour? Um, the... So don't self-edit on the first page, edit at the end mm. and write the th- write it, do really dopey drawings, staple the pages together, keep it, 
read that to your kids because that's the best version because that's the version that's for your children. Mm. And then if you do get lucky to get to another stage and another level and another level, that's fantastic. But you, as long as you've got that first, you know, that beautiful, the, the, the reason to write it in the first place, my kid won't sleep, oh, say goodnight feet. Yes. You know, goodnight hands, you can let go now, you know, like. So mm. do it for the reason of love and joy, which sounds so not like me, but it's um, that's what it is. It's about, you know, being you know, just true to the, I, the original idea. And I, that, I, that's what I try and do. It's what I try and do on telly. It's what I try and, you know, I just try and tell a, tell a story to make people go, oh, mate, that'd be, I'd like to be there. <laughs> but that's the idea. I love that advice. Thank you so much for your time today, Andrew. Yeah, thanks for having me. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you'd love to create your own picture book, a popular five-week course in writing picture books will show you how. In less than a few hours a week, you'll discover what you need to know about point of view in a picture book, structure and pace, as well as language and rhythm, finding the right voice, working with illustrators, publishing options and much more. Complete it online for ultimate convenience and receive personalised tutor feedback on your writing. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash picturebooks. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Andrew Daddo and I hope it's inspired you maybe thinking about writing your own picture book as well. Now, we've almost come to this the end of this week's episode uh, and I have a fun fact for you. The word brooch as in a piece of jewellery that you pin to your clothing, some people are really into brooches, is related to the word, are you ready for it? Broccoli. Yep, the word brooch comes from the late Latin brocca, B-R-O-C-C-A, which means a pointed tool. In Italian, brocca went on to mean a shoot or a stalk, as in a plant, from which the Italians then named the vegetable broccoli, which was cultivated from cabbages. There you go, brooch, broccoli, all from Brocker. All right, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Of course, feel free to connect with me on social media. I'm at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. But do check out the Facebook group. We have a great listener community there. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. Love to see you in there. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercenter.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writercentercomau slash news, where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions, and much more.